All right. Well, listen. All right, everybody listen up here. Last night, we used the rat trap. Who remembers? Woo! Aren't you glad Amy didn't lose her finger over there? Really glad about that. Hey, so last night, we, we learned about trust that sometimes doesn't make sense when we do something like putting your finger in a rat trap. But if somebody tells you to trust them, sometimes we trust, and that's what we would do with God's word. It tells us that it's trustworthy. Now, tonight, I'm going to do something for you. And um, where are we going here? Okay. Tonight, I'm going to talk to you about doing something that's impossible because God can do impossible things. And so here's what we're going to do tonight. I have um, with me, and, and you need to stay back, but this is a really long needle. See that? Really? For sewing? No, well, that would be a long needle for sewing. And, and here's what we're going to try tonight. So I, I'm going to blow up a balloon because we had balloons in our treasure chest. So how many of you think that if I poke the balloon with the needle, that the balloon will pop? You don't think so? Well, needles and balloons usually don't go together very well. So let, let's try this. That wasn't very magic, was it? Okay, but let, let's try it again. Because who thinks that I can stick the needle all the way through the balloon without popping it? Wow, they got a lot of faith in me, don't they? Pressure's on now. Do what? I'm not going to do it. All right. Okay. I think they're ready to start taking money up here, whether I can do this or not. Okay. Everybody ready? Let's see if we can put that all the way through there and not pop the balloon. And then watch this. We're going to take it out and... How was that? <laughs> okay, 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 okay. Now, here's the thing. Our theme for the week is, it's more than a game. Sometimes people can do things like that this seemed like it shouldn't be possible to do, but it's really just a trick. It's really just a game. But God can do things that are impossible, and we're going to learn about that with your mom and dads tonight as we study God's Word, and you're going to learn some cool stuff about God's Word tonight as well. So fourth through sixth graders, you're out. No, you can't try it. No, you can't try it. Can you, well, I don't have enough to give everybody, so I can't give you a balloon. The needle all the way through it. First through third graders. 
You are going. and five-year-olds. You guys can go now. Fantastic. <laughs> Gotta love kids, right? What a joy it is to have them at camp. Hey, a couple of things. First of all, tonight, uh, from the bottom of our hearts, from Kelly and me, uh, thank you for an incredibly wonderful week. We have enjoyed getting to know you. Uh, we've enjoyed getting to do dinner and lunch and breakfast with you and hanging out with you and playing games with you and doing all those things. You've invited us into your lives and we thank you for that. Um, we have had an incredibly wonderful week here at camp and uh, so we just really want to thank you. Um, if you are at all interested in any of the materials for Small Church USA. I really haven't talked too much about that. Um, but if you want any of those materials, we're going to close that up and put that away after chapel tonight. And uh, so if you want to grab any materials off of that, please do that tonight. Uh, we're going to close that up this evening. Um, we have a book back there if you're interested in it. If you want to go home and potentially encourage your pastor's wife, uh, Kelly and I wrote a book for pastor's wives um, over the COVID shutdown a year and a half ago. And, um, and it's, just a, it's just a book to try to encourage them. And we have those on the back table. They're $10. And if you want to grab one of those before you leave tonight, uh, those are available back there as well. But thank you so much for um, everything you've done to just make this week very special for us. And uh, we came in with the week with three wins. Enjoy the experience. How many of you enjoyed that luau tonight? Right? Great time. Man, just all kinds of fun stuff going on out there. Um, hopefully, you have been encouraged and strengthened and also encouraging and strengthening others today as you've gone throughout your day. That was win number two. Um, I mean, I just want to thank Jack Limbaugh, who usually sits right back there. Some, there he is right there. Um, Jack's family, when I was here 40 years ago as a lifeguard, would come to family camp. They'd bring their boat, and they would take us lifeguards skiing. And it's probably been 20 or 25 years since I've been skiing. And uh, Jack came up to me this morning and said, hey, I brought the boat if you want to try skiing again, I'll take you out. And so after this morning chapel, we went out and I did some skiing that I haven't done in a long time, brought back teenage memories, right? Flooded back my memories of when I was 18 years old. So Jack, thank you for encouraging me along today. And then we have been examining God's word as win number three. And so take your Bibles, Psalm 19, and then we're going to be in Genesis chapter 19 as well tonight as we finish up and talk about uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. And so let me pray for us as we begin. Lord, we love you. Uh, it's been a really, really good week. Thank you for, man, the culture of this week of camp. It's been fun. There's been a lot of laughter. There's people just enjoying fellowship with each other. Um, we've had some amazing Bible teaching by Dr. Keck in the morning, uh, talking to us and reminding us about the importance of repentance uh, the staff has performed just incredibly well, and Lord, it has just been a joy. It's been a week that we have been refreshed, and we are so thankful for that as we head back home. And now, God, as we open up our, our final session tonight, uh, we talk about um, 
really a heartbreaking story of what happened at Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, but also something that teaches us very much uh, a valuable lesson about you, uh, and it also will encourage and strengthen us as to the truth of God's word. So help us as we look at that tonight. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 19.9, we're going to continue on where it says this, the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous all together. And so I want to talk to you about the fear and the rules of the Lord. Okay, and, and the rules has the idea of judgments and just decrees. That God's rules, his judgments and just decrees is what the the psalmist is talking about. And, and you know what? Aren't you thankful that our God is a loving, merciful, gracious, forgiving God? Amen? Because what if he wasn't? What if he wasn't? Look at what Lamentations chapter 3 says. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not what? Consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Man, I'll tell you, that's one of the greatest verses that we have right there. I mean, think about if God wasn't loving, merciful, and compassionate, and we were consumed when we messed up, right? So we're walking around camp, and you break the willy rule, and God goes, right? And you're just consumed. You're gone. How many of us would be left on camp? Not very many. In fact, none of us would even get here because we would have a chance. But because of God's great love for us, we're not consumed with what we deserve, which is his righteous judgment, because we have a loving, forgiving, and gracious God. And I'm so thankful for that verse that reminds us of that every morning that God does not give us what we deserve. But he's also a just God, and if we don't live in the fear of the Lord, there is, a, there is justice coming, justice decrees that God says, hey, there are consequences if you don't live for me. And in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, where we started on Sunday, Solomon reminds us, now all has been heard, here is the conclusion of the whole matter, fear God, keep his commands, for the, this is the duty of all mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. Right? There, there is, God is a righteous God, and there is judgment um, if we don't live in the fear of the Lord. Galatians chapter 6 in the New Testament says, Do not be deceived, God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows, and whoever sows to please the flesh, from the flesh will reap what? Destruction. But whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. So the, the rules and the fear of the Lord, the just decrees of God, man, the reason we got to pay attention to them is because it's not just a game. Okay, These are God's laws and God's rules that we have to look at. Now, think about with me the second part. Okay, So the fear and the rules of the Lord, they are clean and they are are true. They're clean and true. So unlike mankind, God is always right in his judgments. He never makes mistakes. 
And, and he never passes along wrong judgment. So if God says something is going to happen, it's going to happen. So, so help me out here for a minute. Um, help me think through some of the things in God's word where God said, or God said through his prophets, this will happen, and it happened, good or bad. Okay, this will happen, and it happened, good or bad. And I'm going to start over here because Chad always starts with that section. So I'm balancing it out tonight. Good or bad, give me something that God said would happen and it happened. Okay, Garden of Eden, right? Eat of anything you want to other than the tree of knowledge and good and evil. And they broke the law and they paid the punishment for it. Okay, what God said happened. Okay, one more over here. Okay, so he said, hey, uh, Peter, by the time the sun comes up, the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. Did it happen? Absolutely. Well, somebody else was jumping in over here. The flood, okay? God said, I'm going to destroy it all, and he did. Okay, how about this section? Something that God said, and it happened. That's a really good one. <laughs> I'm really glad somebody was awake when I talked about Jericho, okay? God said, march around it seven times, blow the trumpets, scream, the walls are going to fall down, and they did. Just what God said happened, happened. One more here, way in the back. Say that again. Oh, the death and the resurrection, okay? Jesus said, hey, this is going to happen. I'm going to raise again, and he rose again. One more down here. Who said? Achan, okay? Again, okay, don't take, don't take of the plunder, and he did, and then there was punishment that came with it, okay? Over here, something God said was going to happen, and it did. The veil will be ripped in two, okay? And that happened when Christ was crucified. One more here. Who was it? The birth of Jesus, okay? Proclaimed a long time before Jesus actually got here, the virgin birth of Jesus, and it happened. Okay? Oh, we got one way back there. Everything. <laughs> that's, that's really hard to argue with, isn't it? She's been listening. The law of the Lord is perfect. It's trustworthy. Everything Jesus said is going to happen, happened. Can you be more specific? Oh, now I put her on the spot. Yeah, there you go. The flood, okay? Absolutely. One more over here. Anybody? Okay, yeah, God, the blessings and the curses, right? If you turn away from me, there's going to be punishment. And, and man, there was so much punishment that happened over and over and over again. You know, one of my favorites is the story of King Hezekiah when the Assyrians were coming in to... God used them to punish Israel for all of their sin. And they took all of the land of Israel. And the only city that was left was Jerusalem. There was nobody to come and save them. The Assyrians had them completely surrounded. And King Sennacherib of the Assyrians said, you're like a caged bird. You have nowhere to go. You are in for it. We are going to take your city. And for Sennacherib, Jerusalem was the crown jewel of the city that he really wanted to capture. And I believe it was the prophet Jeremiah, one of the, uh, one of the prophets, I think it was Jeremiah, 
that, that went to Hezekiah and said, not one arrow will be fired against this city. Not one arrow. Well, are you kidding me? But what did God do? He sends his angel out, kills 185,000 of the Assyrian army, and they all flee. And not one arrow was fired against Jerusalem. What God said and everything, everything that God says is going to happen or not going to happen is absolutely true. And we're going to see that again tonight as we look at what God's word says about this incredible story of Sodom and Gomorrah. And so let's do the S in our outline. The fear and the rules of the Lord, they are enduring forever. They're true and they're righteous. They're true and they're righteous. So Sodom and Gomorrah, what an incredible story. Today, this is in the, uh, the city of, or the country of Jordan. Uh, these, these five cities of the plain that God talks about are right along the sea, uh, the Dead Sea. Uh, they're in that valley. They're in that plain down there. And so if you go there, you have to go to the country of Jordan. Uh, nobody could get into that area for many, many, many years uh, because it was a war zone between uh, Jordan and Israel. And so nobody could get in there for a very long time. And, uh, but it finally, they finally excavated it. But let's, let's recap the story very quickly. Genesis chapter 18. And uh, I think we got a map up here. Let's go, let's go to the map if we can. Um, so Genesis chapter 18, um, we know that, that, um, Abraham meets with the three angels, one of them being the Lord, uh, that met with him, that told him about, I'm going to have a son. And at the end of chapter 18, it says that they decide that they're going to go down and check out the wickedness of Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, because they're very wicked and God was going to destroy that, that area. Abraham had a nephew, nephew whose name was Lot that lived down in the region of Sodom and Gomorrah. And so Abraham starts bartering with the Lord about the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. And you remember this uh, happening in the Bible? Abraham's like, hey, if there's 50 righteous people, just 50, will you spare these cities? And the Lord said, if there's 50, I'll spare the cities. And so Abraham said, what about if there's 45? Will you spare it for 45? And the Lord says, yep, I'll spare it for 45. And Abraham says, what about 40? And what about 30? And what about 20? And what about 10? Now, I don't know. I'm just thinking he's pushing his luck, right? Just like, oh, okay. But you know, you know what God finally says? Okay, if there's 10 righteous people in this valley, five cities, then I'll spare them all. Is that merciful? Wow, that's a merciful God. Do you know what the Bible says? Not even 10 could be found. Not even 10. And so the righteous decrees of God were going to be executed on these five cities of the plains. And so, so these men went and they found Lot and they said to him, you need to get your family and you need to get out of here immediately because God is going to destroy these five cities of the plains. And, and, we're, and I want you to look at Genesis chapter 19. If you have your Bibles, go there. Genesis chapter 19. They said to Lot, flee to the mountains 
And Lot basically said, I'm an old man. I'm not sure I can get that far by the time this destruction comes and I might get engulfed with it. So look at Genesis chapter 19, starting in verse 18. It says, And Lot said to them, Oh no, my lords, behold, your servant has found favor in your sight, and you have shown me great kindness in saving my life. But I cannot escape to the hills, lest the disaster overtakes me and I die. Behold, this city is near enough to flee to, and it's a little one. Let me escape there. Is it not too little? And my life will be saved. And he said to him, Behold, I grant you this favor also, that I will not overcome the city of which you have spoken. Escape there quickly, for I can do nothing till you arrive there. Therefore, the name of the city is called Zor. Now, this is another thing that sometimes we just kind of like reading the Bible and we skip over it because we don't know anything about these cities. But I need you to remember Zor. Okay, turn to your neighbor and say, remember Zor. Tell him that right now. Remember Zor. Very important. So Lot flees to Zor, and then God destroys the five cities of the plains. Look at verse 23 through verse 25. The sun had risen on the earth when Lot came to Zor. And then the Lord rained down on Sodom and Gomorrah sulfur, and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the valley and all the inhabitants of the cities and what grew on the ground. Now, the five cities of the plains, you can see them there. And, and if you want, if you're taking notes and if you want a cross reference because it doesn't list them in this passage, but it does in Genesis 14.1, Genesis 14, 1, it lists these five cities. And in Genesis 13, 10 through 13, it lists these cities as well. Genesis 13, 10 through 13. And so you can see, you have Sodom, you have Gomorrah, you have Zor, you have Adma, and you have Zeboam. Right along the Dead Sea on the Jordan side, uh, the five cities of the plains uh, that God said he was going to destroy. And so what we read in Genesis 19 happened about 4,000 B.C. during the time of Abraham. And it wasn't dug. Uh, the archaeologists did not dig Sodom and Gomorrah till the 1980s. Okay, 1980s. Who was alive in the 1980s? Okay, not that long ago, was it? Not that long ago. Well, some of you think it was, but really it wasn't, Okay. They dug it in the 1980s because by then there was peace between Israel and Jordan. And so archaeologists go in and they could dig that. And they dug Sodom and Gomorrah. They did not dig Adma and Zeboam. And, uh, and that's in those two cities down here, uh, just so you know, Joel Kramer, my friend, he lives in Amman, Jordan right now. And one of the things that he's hoping to do someday is dig one of these cities, do an archaeological dig and lead that dig to dig one of these other cities, which would be super cool to be a part of something like that. But here's what we got to understand. What was, what was buried under the ground for almost 6,000 years is going to be uncovered what God's word says happened. And, and the group that went in, uh, they were secular archaeologists. They weren't biblical archaeologists. They had no bias to try to say, yes, this matches the Bible. They just went in to dig. 
And so I'm gonna, I'm gonna show you some quotes, okay, from the archaeology reports of what the archaeologists found to see if it matches what God's word says. So this is from the archaeology of Sodom, and let's go ahead and put that quote up there. And it says this, The northwest gate of the city was destroyed as evidenced by charcoal, falling bricks, and areas of ash, and the, and the mud brick superstructure of the sanctuary collapsed seemingly after being what? Burned. Okay, so it was burned. Sodom, they started to find all this. They saw charcoal, they saw ash, and they realized the city had been burned. The next quote, the entire city was affected. So this wasn't just a, like a, a, a section of the, of the city was burned. The entire city was affected. At the highest spot on the, north, on the northeast, the mud brick buildings were ruined, and several of them showed signs of what? Burning. Burning. Now, here's the next quote. A curious feature was found in all of the latest charnel houses still in use up until the early Bronze 30 city, or the uh, three city. So a charnel house, by definition, is a chamber in which bodies or bones are deposited, also known as a mortuary building. So right along the edge, uh, let's see, let's, if we have the map next. Okay. So, so this is, this is the archaeological map of Sodom. And, uh, and right next um, to where we were standing, they, they found these big cemeteries um, near Sodom. Uh, there were, uh, and a charnel house is simply um, kind of a channel that's dug back into the hill. It's a long, narrow channel. And at the back of the channel um, is where they would put the bodies. The, and they called them charnel houses. So but basically it was just a very big cemetery and they found 20,000 charnel houses. Okay, so a huge, huge seminary, uh, cemetery is what they found. That might have been a Freudian slip, I'm not sure. If you've been to a seminary, maybe there's a, some familiarity. But anyway, so, so, so here's so 20,000 of these uh, channels dug back into this hill. And then look at the next quote. In nearly every case, these mortuary buildings contained a large deposit of ash, especially in the section nearest the doorway. Our team has puzzled over this phenomenon for several years, and several possible explanations had been offered. One, of course, would be cremation. But this seems unlikely since the burning was done at one time, and it does not cover the entire interior of the charnel house. Okay, now think about, again, the details of what God's word says is very important. Look at verse 24 again, where it says this, and uh, then the Lord rained on Sodom and Gomorrah sulfur and fire from the Lord out of heaven. Okay, so he rained down from heaven, fire and, and sulfur that burned up this area. So, so if you have these charnel houses that are long uh, channels dug back into the ground and you rain down fire and sulfur from heaven, what part of the charnel houses are going to get burned? The doorways, just the doorways and not back in. And that puzzled these guys as 20,000 
of these charnel houses all were burned at the doorway and all the burning happened at one time, but not back in further and they couldn't figure out why. Okay, they couldn't figure out why. When you read God's word, you know exactly why that happened the way that it did. Um, do we have another map there? Um, so, so this is one of the excavations of one of those charnel houses. Um, and, and you can see um, blackened layer of burnt bones. There was dark brown burnt mud fall as these things all collapsed. They found that there was, there was burning around there. Let's go to the next quote. Um, obvious the town suffered a severe fire and it was forever abandoned. Okay, abandoned forever. And they're still abandoned today. Although the matter can be debated, there seems to be no direct evidence of warfare during the destruction. Now, who can tell me, because of what we talked about at Jericho and Shittim, why is that important that there's no evidence of warfare during the destruction? What did they often do when they, when they captured a city? They burned it. Okay, we saw the burn layer at Shittim. We saw the burn layer at Jericho. So if another army came in and invaded it, oftentimes they would burn it, but there's no direct evidence for warfare during the destruction. So somebody didn't come in and burn the city is what they're saying. And then let's look at a couple more. Here's the conclusion. In the author's opinion, the archaeologist these two cities may well be reflected in the stories of Sodom and Gomorrah in the Bible. These are stories that have gone through a rich process of literary interpretation, but nonetheless carry refracted memories of great cities once located along the Dead Sea and their disappearance in the distant past. So here's what he says. After 6,000 years being buried, we went and dug up Sodom and Gomorrah and what it looks like is that it matches exactly what Genesis chapter 19 says happened to these cities. Now, a couple of more things. So um, if you look at the map, do we have the bigger map next? Yeah, there we go, the bigger map. So Lot said, I'm too old to make it to the mountains. Let me flee to which city? Zor. Notice where Zor is? It's right in the middle. Two of these above, two of these below. Guess which cities got burned up and are still barren today? Sodom and Gomorrah and Admah and Zeboam. Guess which city is still a city today and occupied by people? Zor. Zor. Can God do the impossible? Can God go, hey, I'm going to destroy the whole valley and everything in it, but I'm going to put a little bubble around Zor, and everything else is going to be wiped out except for that city, which is still a city that you can go and visit today. And the others are completely barren and ruined Yet today, Zor is still a city where people live today. When we were there, um, we were at Gomorrah, and I was poking around, as I always do, in the 
um, archaeological dig, and it, it's been a long time, so there wasn't a whole lot to see, but I was digging around, and uh, let me show you this picture. So the, um, the, the, the pottery piece on top is what pottery generally looks like when you find it in Israel and clean it up. It's just clay-colored, um, and it just looks like pottery. Um, the bottom two pieces are pieces that I found at Gomorrah. What does it look like happened to those pottery pieces? They've been burned. And, and I have those pieces right here with me tonight. Um, and, and I can tell you this, that um, the burning is not on the inside of the pot. The inside of the pot uh, is still clean. <laughs> These have been burned on the outside of the pot because God destroyed this city by fire and everything there was burned. But let me tell you one more thing. We're standing at um, Sodom and our friend Joel Kramer says uh, to our whole team, hey, just poke around a little bit and everybody find a rock that looks like this. Uh, do we, yeah, it looks like that. And uh, that's this rock right here. Okay, find a rock that looks like this. So we all walked around and we all picked up this little rock that looks like this. And he said, the first time I came here, I picked up a rock that looked like this. I took it to a friend of mine who has a PhD in geology. And I said to him, I didn't tell him where I got it from. I just handed it to him. And I said, tell me about this rock. His friend said, that's easy. It's lava rock. When lava hits the ground and sprays up in the air, it dries real porous and real rough, just like that. He goes, that's easy. That's lava rock. Now, can I tell you something? There are no volcanoes on the Dead Sea or anywhere else in Israel, and you only find lava rock in one place that we have ever been, Sodom and Gomorrah. How did lava rock get to Sodom and Gomorrah? Because God rained down burning sulfur, lava, and fire from heaven, and he burned up these cities. And so, so you can look at the evidence. Zor, the middle city, not destroyed. You can pick up pieces of burnt pottery, and you find lava rock in a place where there's no volcanoes, along the Dead Sea, because what God's word says is true, just like he said it was going to happen. And so here's the treasure that I want you to see tonight, and it's this, that if we can trust the past, then we can trust the future. Amen? Right? If we can trust the past, we can trust the future. If we can trust that what God says he's going to do, he's going to do, and, and if Jericho is true all the way back to the time of Joshua, and if what happened at Sodom and Gomorrah is true, that happened all the way back to the time of Abraham, then can we trust, if those are true, that when God's word says, hey, listen, um, there's going to be a baby that's going to be virgin born. That's impossible. But can we believe that that's true? Absolutely. And if we can believe that, that God can do the impossible in the Old Testament, then, then can we believe that the resurrection is true and that the second coming of Christ is true? And should we also believe that there's a real place called heaven that's true? Amen? But there's also a real place called hell that's true as well. 
And I want to remind you again, go back to Psalm chapter 19, because I want to read that again, and I want us to remind us of this, that in trusting God and in trusting his word, the last thing that he says to us in Psalm chapter 19 is that when we believe these things, there is great reward. And look at Psalm 19, starting in verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, and in keeping them there is great reward." There is no greater reward than believing what this book says and living what God tells us to do because in doing so, we understand the importance of how to do this this life, but also the greater importance of what is in the next life, eternity, when this life is over. Man, is that great stuff or what? That blows my mind when you see things like that. And I'm going to close in prayer, and if, if you want to come up and handle something that's 6,000 years old, um, it's up here, and you're more than glad to touch it, feel it, look at it, all of those things, um, because I hope you don't hurt it, but I don't think you will. So um, it's up here if you want to see something, and uh, if you want something from the table when we close, um, we'll have Kelly back there, and you can pick something up back there. Let's close in prayer. God, thank you for our time in your word. Lord, I just love the evidence, the hard evidence that we can go to places that the Bible has talked about 4,000, 6,000 years old, and we can still pick up things from the ground that still are hard evidence that your word is true. And And we should believe it by faith, but we don't just have to believe it by faith because we have the evidence to go, yep, what happened is exactly true. And I'm so thankful for archaeology because it gives us those things that we can put our hands on. And so, God, I pray that as we leave here this week, as we walk out of here tonight, we would walk out of here understanding that in all of these things, in trusting your word, that in doing them, there is a great reward. So, Lord, reward us as we, as we trust you, as we trust in your word, and as we live that out in our daily lives, because we know that everything you say And everything you promise, good or bad, blessings or curses, those things are true and they're trustworthy and you are righteous and your judgments are righteous. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.